Hey, podcast listeners, I am so, so excited to introduce to you today our guest, Greg Dorst. Now, I met Greg, I hate to say how many years ago it was, I'm saying eight years ago, Greg, right around there, when we were working on a um, capacity building project in Southern California together, and I came to really appreciate um, how quickly you can take from an example and pull some life lessons, share your own, be vulnerable and real. Um, And I know that when I did some other um, work with you and your organization, I got to learn that that wasn't just situational when we were together. That's just how you showed up. And I could see that it touches other people's lives in a very powerful way. So uh, my listeners, what they don't know about you is, and I shared this recently with somebody else, is when we were doing a conference together just last year and the person you were supposed to introduce never showed, they were like 45 minutes late, we had all this dead time, and you're writing on a cocktail napkin, what do you think I should have these guys do, right? And within like two seconds, we said, okay, talk about these things. And you got up and you just did it. And I'm sitting there thinking, I want to be like Greg when I grow up. Because there was just such a calm about it. I know that comes with years of life experience and being able to take things in stride. So with that, as a kind of a personal handoff to you, could you introduce yourself to our listening audience and just a little bit about your background? Sure, sure. Well, I'm 62 years old. I'm a former lawyer. I have retired from the nonprofit CEO business and started consulting. I consult with a group called The Other Bar, which is a group of alcoholic, drug-addicted lawyers, judges, and law students who need to find a new way. And uh, I'm in charge of handling the entire Southern California area. And uh, that's a a lot of hands-on stuff with with lawyers who may have uh, issues with substance use disorder. So I'm an addiction specialist as well. So, uh, I mean, I've done a lot of things. I've, uh, it, I seem to get interested in something and just move toward educating myself in that area because I'm really a good student. Yeah, I do that, and I am a minister. I'm a licensed, ordained minister at the uh, Sanctuary for Spiritual Living in Covina, California. So, uh, you know, those two things kind of dovetail because – the stuff that I talk about today is how to change your life through changing the internal you, you know, how you think, the types of things you say to yourself in self-talk, what your belief systems are, and whether or not there are systems that need to be dismantled for better functioning. Can you share with us a time that you faced a huge challenge or a change? Maybe it was thrust upon you and you weren't ready for it. How did you move forward in spite of that? Sure, sure. Well, one of the reasons why I like the field of addictions is because I struggled with my own. And there was a time in my life when I was practicing law that uh, I was using alcohol to escape from the pressures, the stress, the difficulties, the, the things that I couldn't do as well as I probably should have been doing. And it made it hard for me to obviously practice law efficiently but it also made it hard for me to connect with life. I was in a real low spot, you know, and it, it, uh, it caused the disintegration of a marriage. It made it uh, difficult for me to, to even want to practice law any longer. And so, um, 
you know, that low point, that point of pain, that point of suffering was transformational for me. You know, I, I had to do something about it. And, uh, you know, I finally looked uh, for help and found it. And, you know, I've been clean and sober for 21 years now. It's led to all sorts of magnificent changes in my life. But more than that, it, it is, it's led to my ability to become kind of a change expert. You know, I, I understand the thinking that takes you to those dark spaces and, and I know a way out. So, you know, and it's kind of transformed to working with organizations as well, because I believe that in my own waking up, growing up, cleaning up and showing up, I found a way to help organizations do the same thing. Because I think organizations need to wake up and grow up and clean up and show up as well, especially nonprofit nonprofits. Give me an example of what that would look like at an organizational level. What what would that look like to you? I'm just thinking yeah. of someone who might be listening and going, I can see it as an individual, but not as an organization. Sure. So, you know, if you uh, sit down with an organization and its top leadership and you take a look at whether or not it's aware and awake and conscious of what's going on in the, in the surrounding community and whether or not they're engaging effectively with that surrounding community, then, then you can really see whether or not that corporation, that nonprofit or for-profit is, is actually awake. I mean, are they uh, moving in a direction that uh, is conscious? So waking up might look like having compassion, uh, collaborating, uh, empathizing with the community in ways that might cause you to uh, start, you know, becoming a triple bottom line corporation, you know, where you you actually, you know, make profits, uh, but help people in the process. You know, there are lots of examples of that. You've got Tom Shoes, which is a great example. Tom Shoes, you know, they their business model is you buy a pair and they give a pair to somebody who doesn't have any shoes. You know, that's an example of a corporation that's decided to to wake up you know, and, and become a conscious driver in the community. And then, of course, when you grow up, you do things that, that you teach corporations to do. You know, you, you actually start to step into uh, the uh, arena with a plan, you know, whether it's a strategic plan or a new mission or some values or, or some structure that you need to gain and give to that corporation. And the corporation begins to grow up and understand that it's not just a mishmash of employees working at whatever that they want to work at. There needs to be a cohesive plan, a way to, to move together in creating. And then, you know, cleaning up is, is, is really important and showing up, they're connected. You know, when you clean up, you, you do the things that you say you're going to do. You enter into agreements and collaborative circumstances and, and you pull your weight. And when you show up, obviously, you you make sure that you are there for people, for uh, other organizations when you say you're going to be. And so I I think that uh, when you look at it in that framework, you understand beyond the mission, beyond the values, beyond the core concepts of an organization, what it is you're there to do. Everything you described applies at the individual level, in my mind, as it does at a business or organizational level of, of really being fully engaged and accountable. Yes. As you were talking a little earlier about when you reached the decision or the awareness, I'm not sure at which point it became a decision versus an awareness of needing to change your life when you were a practicing attorney, 
did you hesitate and think you could figure it out if you just kept doing more of what you were doing? Or how did you finally just say, enough, I've got to do something different? Well, it was too painful to continue the way I was continuing. I mean, it was, uh, was difficult for me to get a handle on how to solve the challenges that I was facing. I mean, I've made a mess of a lot of different things, including relationships in my own personal life. But I had, uh, you know, practiced law in, in a way that uh, was overwhelming for me. And I had uh, too many clients, the wrong kind of clients, the wrong kind of cases uh, spread out over too many miles. And it was impossible for me to, to deal with all of those issues. And so a change was absolutely necessary. I mean, I just had to slow down and get rid of all of that stuff uh, and accept that I had to spend time on me. You know, dismantling all those things that I created were difficult and, and, and messy and really, really messy. But I had to get uh, a handle on uh, on me. And I was deeply unhappy. I mean, I had it, it didn't matter whether I was, you know, a baker or a candlestick maker or a lawyer. I would have made the same mess out of it. You know, it, 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 was, it all stemmed from the fact that, you know, I really didn't know how to do this thing. And at a deeper level, probably didn't know how to do life either. How long did that? take for you? Because I know when I'm working with individuals or organizations, people are looking for like, okay, if I do X and Y, I'm going to be all better, right? Yeah. And it's, I'm not going to have to let go of anything. I'm just going to be able to keep going, but it'll be different um, or I'll be better at it, whatever. So what was the, if you can recall the tra- the length of your arc, I guess, of like turning a curve and starting to go in the direction you wanted to? Well, it, it took me a while, I'd say four years before I you know, transitioned into something that was beneficial for me, better for me, more rewarding for me. But I had to take a different approach, Sarah. I had to look at it from a completely different aspect. I had to see what it was that I needed to release because it became clear to me that the space for what I wanted was being taken up by what I was settling for. You see, there were things in my life that were that were complicating it. And I was just settling for it because that's the way it was. And I had to be able to release it. I had to to let it go and start over. And so I started a, a whole new career path and it took a lot of education to get there, but it was a releasing thing rather than it just, uh, if I do this and hold on to everything else, I, I think maybe that's something that people who find themselves in, in my situation might want to take a look at, you know, do they really want to hold on to these things they're settling That's a powerful word, the settling for, because I know for me also in my life, there have been times where it's like, this is okay, it's doable, I can maintain. But then when you take a step back, all things considered, if I had my choice, is that, would that be my choice, right? And that's a hard, it's a place of honesty when you have to look at yourself and go, yeah, I can do this, I can do it well, and yet... I'm dying inside because that is not what I need to be doing or should be doing. And the only way to go forward is to let go. And that is scary. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it is scary. You, uh, uh, you have to be willing to do some things you may not be ready to do. It, it kind of reminds me of a, a mythological setting, you know, where King Arthur and, and, and the Knights of the Round Table are sitting around waiting to have a meal and, and King Arthur won't let anybody eat until a vision arises, which produces an adventure. And so what happens is that the grail appears over the, the table and uh, they all decide that it's time for them to go on that quest, that adventure. But here's the rub. 
they decide that the way they're going to do it is that each night is going to go into the forest in the dark of night where there's no trail. And that, that myth is just so exciting because actually it describes to me what your no labels, no limits uh, stuff is all about because it's, it's really about having the courage to step into something. You don't know where it's leading, but you're drawn to it. It looks scary. It's not the traditional path, but you do it anyway. Now that, that myth is just, it's so exciting for me when, when I'm faced with something that, that may be new, maybe a little scary, you know, cause, uh, for me, a myth is something that never happened. That's always happening. And I love that. I actually see that's how you live your life. Have there been some really surprising, positive kind of turns that you didn't see coming because you went into that forest in the dark without a trail? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't know what I didn't know. The people that I've met when I've just stepped into it, when I didn't know how to do it, the the connections that uh, that I've been able to make as a result of that, they're just invaluable. When you just don't know what the outcome is going to be, but you, but you know that if you step into it, something's going to unfold. That is so exciting. I mean, that's that's the stuff that life is made of. You know, you mentioned that that time where that guest uh, of a conference didn't show up, and I'm the MC, and I got to figure out how to entertain people for you know a lengthy period of time. Uh, I, I had no idea, but I knew that I had to step into that moment. I didn't know whether people were going to receive my ideas well or not, but I stepped into it and we're doing this podcast kind of because you remember that moment. Oh, I've shared that moment with people and I've shared the story that you told during that. I am going to ask you to tell that story on, on the podcast because I don't tell it as well as you. And so I want it recorded so I can share it with other people the correct way. But the other thing is it's so impactful because for me, it tells the story about you don't know the impact of what you do or choose not to do, whichever. Do you remember the story? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Would you share it with us? Yeah, sure. It's about a cab driver. It's a, it's a true story too. And it ended up being published in a couple of different magazines many, many years ago. It's a true story about a cab driver who had a, a son uh, who was uh, uh, looking to move in a direction that uh, to, to become a part of the medical profession. And he had no idea how to get his son to that point just so happened he picked up a fare and the fare was a doctor and they had a conversation in the cab uh, that was not related to his profession. But when he found out he was a doctor through this conversation, he asked him if he wouldn't mind writing a letter of recommendation for his son to go to a particular college. And, and the doctor was, was really professional about this. And he said, well, I really don't know your son, but that created an opportunity for he and the son, the doctor and the son, to get together via telephone conference. And they did that. And they hit it off really, really well. The upshot of the whole thing is that that moment in the cab where he asked, he stepped out on a limb and asked that doctor to help his son was a moment that mattered because here's what happened. That man, that doctor became the mentor to his son, ended up uh, becoming friendly with him through college, helped him get into medical school, and then became the person that recommended him to a, a position in a, a, a hospital uh, for uh, neurosurgery. And they were absolutely fast friends throughout it all, and it started with a question, a moment that mattered. And I call that an MTM, a moment that mattered. And, and so there are MTMs, 
moments that matter happening in your life all the time. Sometimes you may be too afraid to walk, walk through or ride your horse into the forest where there's no path at night. You know, I mean, it's scary, uh, but he did it. That cab driver did it, and it made all the difference in the world for his son and all the difference in the world for his younger sister who followed him into the medical profession and became a surgeon as well. Now, that is an amazing story. One question changed the lives of two children and thousands and thousands of people who access the services of those two medical professionals. Amazing. It's amazing. Well, it's not something I made up. But you tell it well. And what is so powerful to me is I think about the lost potential. So had the dad, the cab driver, never asked that question, all of the people who never would have benefited from the boy and his sister who became surgeons and really healers in the world, had that dad not risked stepping into his own forest, that would not have happened or it wouldn't have happened in that way, right? And then I think about why I'm so passionate about people. I'm going, just try it. The worst that can happen is you'll go, eh, it didn't work out the way I wanted, you know, yeah. but I've got information. I yeah. now have new information, either good path, wrong path, ask the wrong question, whatever. But you never know unless you step out. And I just think about, you don't know whose life you're going to change either if you don't have a moment that matter, may or may not matter, right? But you've got to take those, make those efforts. Do you share that story when you're working with folks, Greg? Yeah, in different ways. Sure. You know, you can make it personal to a person in speaking with them about what it is that they want to see happen in their lives, you know, how it is they expect that to happen. And they'll, they'll look at it and say, well, you know, I don't know, but I suppose, well, the way everything's unfolded in most people's lives is they have no clue how what it is that they want to happen is actually going to happen. You know, and sometimes it's a chance meeting. Sometimes it's something that somebody you know can help you to do or, you know, connect you with a person or, or an entity that really changes things. You don't know what those things are. So the point is you step into every opportunity that you see, every opportunity that you get. Don't worry about whether or not it, it, it might not turn out well. I mean, what's wrong with it not turning out well? Because you've learned to do it a different, you know, maybe you need to do it a different way if that happens. I mean, it, who is it? Thomas Edison failed, you know, hundreds of times with the light bulb. And without those failures, we wouldn't be sitting in the light today. Exactly. No computer. So it is failure, but it's just another opportunity. I mean, I'm a reframer, so I, I can use all that background material and those stories to help people to reframe. So. I love reframing. <laughs> I do. It's yep. very powerful. So when you think about the things that in the past or maybe even now you wonder about at night or keep you up, are there things that kind of chew on at night that keep you awake? Well, it's funny how as I get older, little things start to pop up a moment that maybe I got angry with my brother or my mother or even my father. And this is decades ago. And perhaps I didn't handle it well. And I hurt somebody's feelings. It, it, little things like that seem to pop into my mind. And, and I form some regret around that. I, I don't understand why that's happening, you know, in the later stages, the latter stages of my life, but it, but it is. And so uh, I have to look at that and say, wow, we'll just do better next time. You know, I mean, I, I can do that. But that's decades ago that some of those instances uh, happened. And 
And so I guess it's just part of the review process. I don't know. Well, I know for me, when that stuff comes up, I, I realize that at the time, and there are many instances where you think, well, I, I could have handled it differently, yeah. um, but I didn't even have something to know what different would be perhaps at that time. But now my life experience or whatever, I'm going, oh, yeah, this would have been the better way to have handled it. So it's really hard to go back. You can't fix it, obviously. No. But it is that kind of thing to go, I can do better going forward. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's part of the the thing that I really enjoy about life. I'm, I'm really interested in the human experience, you know, and, and what it means to be human. And I suppose I'm kind of always chewing on that with my own life, too, you know. So some of that stuff pops up. And, and all I can do is, is vow to be more compassionate and more uh, helpful, more service oriented. And, uh, you know, on the, on the positive side of the issue, reframe it to something that's helpful rather than, you know, point fingers and blame. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's probably, it, it probably has something to do with the way I look at life today. You know, some of that stuff is the human experience that made me who I am. What are some of the key traits that you have that you can recognize in yourself today that you most appreciate? Yeah. Well, I have some vast experience in, in, in my own life and I've, spend a lot of time helping people, you know, live without discord. So um, I am kind of a reconstruction kind of guy. You know, I, I meet people sometimes at a low point where they've had a belief system that's led them to a place where they've, you know, had to deconstruct uh, in some way, shape or form. And, and, and it happens, you know, with their spiritual life or with their, with their, uh, professional life or with relationships, and we have to find a way to reconstruct those things. And so I'm kind of in the reconstruction business, and uh, and I help people to to find a way based upon uh, some of the things that I know to be true. Uh, I don't provide answers. I know that they're within each person that I'm working with, uh, but I provide opportunities for them to know themselves better so that those answers can emerge on their own. So I know that sounds kind of interesting and ethereal but the the truth is um i don't think it does me any good to solve your problem i think it does a does you a lot more good to understand and recognize that there are principles you can adhere to that will solve it for you agreed if you were to be sitting with greg of before law even before law school right before Mm -hmm. he ever went into the legal profession not knowing well knowing now what you do what counsel or conversation, since you're not an advice giver, what conversation might you have with your younger self to help you see those kinds of things and solve problems as you move forward? I think that I would express to me that it's okay to not know, that it's okay to let people know that you need help. It's okay to be vulnerable in that way. Because I had a tendency to not let people know that I didn't know. I went on my merry way making people think that I knew more than I knew. And there's disaster looming in that kind of, uh, in, in that kind of way of life. And so I think that if I were talking to me as a younger man, I would say, don't be afraid to say you don't know. Don't be afraid to find a mentor to help you through these circumstances. Don't be afraid if I were a golfer to find a swing coach because, oh, I'm too good for that. My swing is perfect. The way I do life is perfect. I don't need a life coach. 
But the truth is, we all do. We don't have the answers to everything. And, uh, and I think that I tried to project that I did. And it led me to a place where I was uh, in a pretty dark life, you know. So that's what I'd say. I'd say just just let people know the truth about you, you know. Let, let them know you don't know. And uh, get rid of that ego that, you know, drove you to places you didn't want to go to. That's a little wrestling match right there. It is. It is. What are you reading right now? Are, do, are you a reader? Yes. Yeah, I'm a reader. What, what types of books do you read? And is there anything in particular you're reading right now that sure. you would? Yeah. Well, there are some people that are sort of in the reconstruction business like I am, you know, re- reconstructing a, a person's belief system around a certain area of life that I like. And one of them is Father Richard Rohr. And uh, I'm in the middle of immortal diamond again and he is he considers himself to be in the reconstruction business spiritually you see he grew up with a a fundamentalist text and he recognized that a lot of people did as well and then lost his faith in that text itself and uh, uh, overall lost his faith in in the religion that he'd given his life to until he realized there was something larger in it and he uh in his own reconstruction has developed ways to help people to to reconstruct their own belief system, to make it larger, to make it bigger, to make it more robust. And so I like his stuff. I really do. I'm reading uh, on the pleasure side, but not that that's not pleasurable, but I'm reading 112263 by Stephen King. I don't know if you've read that. It is fabulous. You, you have to do it if you haven't. It's about time travel, and it is about the human condition. It is so amazing the way Stephen King just wraps the human condition into everything that he writes about in this book. And since there's some real history involved that we live through, right. uh, You can kind of enjoy the the time travel aspect of it. It, It's really, really good. I love it. I will definitely read that. I've been thinking I need a good book to dive into. And when you said Stephen King, my adrenaline went up. I'm going to the last one of those books scared me to death. So I had to go on a little hiatus. So I know this is not that. It's not that. (laughs) But thank you for the reminder, because that's not where I would have gone. So, you know, 11-22-63 was the date of the Kennedy assassination. I recall that. Boy, second grade playground when I got that information. Wow. I remember that day, too. Yeah. It's amazing, those markers in our lives. The moment that matters. It's an MTN. It is. It was. And I was just talking to someone else two nights ago about that and the sequence of things that followed it and just how it affected all of us, all of us as a nation and then in different ways. As we wrap this, Greg... I want to just give you a couple minutes to say anything that comes to mind, like what you're excited about, what you're doing right now that just is kind of like fueling you. Well, I do a lot of writing today in in two different ways. I've been jotting down some things that I feel about certain principles in life uh, that are important to me. And uh, I suppose when I'm finished with it, there'll be a book uh, and we'll be on this podcast again, talking about the new book, right? Yeah, I'm writing that down yeah. right now. Okay, good, good. And then I like to write music and uh, lyrics, and I sing and, and play a couple of different instruments, and I've been doing a lot of that lately. And so um, that's a great creative outlet for me. I, I get to uh, play and sing things that, that I want to hear. And you know what's really great about that is that 
when you play other people's stuff, when you play popular songs or covers, you, there's an expectation of how it's going to sound and all of that because people have heard it before. But when you do your own stuff, there's no expectation, you see. I mean, you, you don't have to live there's up. There's a life lesson. Yeah, it's easier if you're doing it. You know, if you're, if you're the creative designer, you know, it's easier because you're not letting anybody down. You know? Okay, so I want myself and all the podcast listeners just to take what you just said and make it pull it out of the music realm onto a life level that if you are your own designer, sing your own music, write your own music, lyrics, it's all good. You're Absolutely. not living up to other people's expectations of who or how you should be. Now, that's a metaphor to live for, isn't it? It is. I love it. And yes, <laughs> the minute you said you were jotting things down, I'm going, get Greg back. <laughs> Talk about principles on life. Greg, I cannot tell you how happy I am to be sitting across from you all these miles via screen just to see your smile and have you share with us. And so I just want to thank you for that. Hope to see you later in the fall when I'm yep. down in your direction. Well, I appreciate you so much. I'm so glad that you're doing this podcast. I think it's helpful for anybody who listens and those that will listen. And I've always thought you're a genius. You know, I mean, you, you have this way of moving through life that just cuts through the BS. You're really, really good. And, uh, and it's my pleasure. Well, <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm not sure how to respond to that except to say thank you. And I'm going to go buy a book now. So. All right, Greg, have okay. a good one. Thank you. You too, Sarah. So that's it for this week's episode. If you liked what you heard, please hop on over to iTunes or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. This helps us get the word out more people just like you who want to live a no-labels, no-limits life. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.